0: Peter chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 7, "...but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins." Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability of God which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You, Lord, for this church, this pastor, these people. Thank You, Lord, for how our hearts have been blessed by being here today. Now, Lord, as we put our feet under the table of God's Word for a few minutes this morning, how we do need the Spirit of the living God to fall fresh on us. Teach us. Speak to us. Lord, these are very crucial, critical days to be a Christian. and God, I pray that You have ministered to us. Lord, should there be one here today that's not saved, I pray the Spirit would draw them to salvation before it's everlasting too late. And Father, I pray you bless our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you and you may be seated. So, I want to give you my title this morning and it comes right out of verse number 7. I've worded it just a little different. Be ye therefore. Be ye therefore. In other words... Peter is telling us how to live in the end times. And so I want to preach this morning on the subject of end time ethics. That's a modern word today, ethics. What is ethical? How are we as believers today to live? I don't know about you, but I'm humored to a degree but, but humiliated in a way that we are the Christians that could be living when the rapture takes place. Now you let that sink in for just a moment. Of all the saints that have been martyred for the faith, we probably won't be. We may be persecuted. We may suffer. But, but probably the greatest Christian in the Christian era, and we're not even out of the Christian era yet, is perhaps Paul or Peter. Why wouldn't the Lord have come back in their day? And even leans toward the fact that the Lord may come back in a day of extreme apostasy. So we're, we're to be humbled by the fact that we could be the very ones alive when Jesus splits the eastern sky. And I was thinking about that moment as our sister was here singing, when we bow before Him in humble adoration and thank Him for saving us, what a a time that's going to be. So that's where we're headed. How do we live while we're here? So chapter 4 serves as the heart of Peter's encouragement for believers not to give up as a result of trials or persecution. I tell you, friend, this morning we need to understand what it means to suffer as believers and what it means to undergo persecution for our faith. I wrote this down. I want to point this out real quickly. If you'll go back to chapter number 1, Peter uses the example of Christ as a means of helping these struggling, scattered Christ followers, believers, find it in their heart, find the resolve to continue in spite of temptation to give up. Notice what he said in verse one. I'm sorry, uh, verse 13, chapter (laughs) four. I'll get it out in a minute. Chapter one, verse 13. And I love the imagery here. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and watch this now glory to God, and hope to the end perseverance of the saints, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, What's this now, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And here's the whole idea of our lifestyle. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now watch verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect the persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Church, I'm telling you on the authority of the living Word of God this morning that we have got to be sober Christians. And that's not talking about uh, uh, abstaining from alcohol as much as that imagery is a clear picture, but it means to be alert, be awake, be on guard. And He uses the word to be sober while you pass the time of your sojourning here to live in fear. Now go back to chapter four. I want to point out verse number one. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. Now watch this. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Yep. What does that mean? It means to have the attitude of Christ. Yep. Now let's talk about attitude for just a minute. He basically says here to have the attitude of Christ. Mimic His attitude. Model His attitude. Live like Him. Talk like Him. Serve like Him. Love like Him. Be like Him. That's what He said. Be holy as He is holy. Holy. So we talk about attitude. Arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too because he suffered. Young people have attitude problems, don't they? You raise children, you know that. But come up close and listen since the majority of them left the room. Come up close and listen. You know what? Adults have attitude problems too. One of my favorite all-time illustrations has to deal with attitudes. This mother and daughter were shopping during Christmas season. They got started that morning real early. They got towards the end of the day. They were tired and broke. They go into this one shop and they come out and the mother says, To the daughter, can you believe the attitude she gave me? The daughter said, Mama, you had that attitude when you went in. (laughs) She didn't give it to you. You had it when you went in. Say amen right there. Oh, on the authority of the Word of God in these verses, let me give you three attitudes we're supposed to have in these last days. Number one, We should have an attitude, Uh, let's look at the attitude of our times. What kind of attitude should we have toward this day and hour in which we live? Look at verse number 7. But the end of all things is at hand, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Notice first of all the statement in verse number 7. The end of all things is at hand. I'm going to run through this very quickly. But Peter is basically saying the culmination of all things is near. Now in the modern mind when we read that we think about and I've already heard it alluded to here today we're in the end times of the end times. Think about when Peter wrote this. I looked it up almost 2,000 years ago Peter wrote this. And he said, we're living in the end times. So how long is end times? The Greek word for end is never used in the New Testament as a chronological end, as if something simply stops. Now that is going to happen, but instead the word here means a consummation, a goal achieved, a result attained, or a realization. And I wrote this down. All the major events... In God's great salvation plan culminating in the death, resurrection, ascension of Christ and the outpouring of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost had already occurred when Peter wrote this. So he says the end, the culmination is coming. What is the solution to this statement? He says in the latter part of verse number 7, Be ye therefore... Sober and watch unto prayer. In other words, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And church, I believe with all of my heart that we should be watching and ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should live in the imminence of His coming. And I'll say something else about that in just a minute. But as I watch... I'm waiting. This means watching ourselves and watching this world, measuring our readiness for Jesus Christ's coming. Not only watching the skies, but I've got to watch myself. Yeah. And I've got to watch others. And I've got to watch what's happening around me so that I can live soberly, live alert, live like I should live in These times. God put you here for such a time as this, to borrow the words of Esther. He has you where He has you for a reason. Thank you, Brother Reed. So, that should be our attitude for the times we live in. Notice, secondly, not only our attitude toward the times... But I got under conviction, probably probably one of the reasons I didn't want to preach this. So I wanted to preach that other thing. But what should our attitude toward the troops? What should our attitude be toward the troops? Us. We're troops. I didn't serve in the military like you did, Brother Jimmy. When I hear troops, I think about, you know, a group of people. But in the military, they talk about troops as being one person, right? So... So how should our attitude be toward each other? And I'll tell you what, Brother, Brother Price talked about what I see as I travel. Let me tell you what I'm seeing as I travel. There's a stinking attitude in the church toward each other. Right. That's right. I'm preaching better than you're amenning. Yep. But that's all right, I'm going to leave in a minute and you don't know where I stay. <laughs> <laughs> Above all things... And I don't have the time. I'm not going to take the time to get into the power of just that one statement. Above all things, when you think, well, I I said I want to and here I go. (laughs) When you think about the enormity of what's happening in the world and the culmination and the imminent rapture of the church, above all of that, get along with one another. Get along with each other. Have fervent and again this was written 2,000 years we ain't changed we probably ain't going to change but we can love one another notice what he said have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins our attitude toward our troops should be one of charity and one of cordiality I'm probably not going to get finished with this, so just hang hang with me. The word fervent means to be stretched or to be strained. It's used to describe the taut muscles of an athlete who strains to win a race. And I wrote this down. He said, have fervent charity. My precious wife is here today. I love her so much. We just celebrated fervent. Forty years of marriage, and I like this little thing we got here now because we, my kids tell me I'm the emoji king. I like emojis, and there's a there's an emoji on there with a burning heart. I'm telling you, after forty years, I've still got a burning heart for that woman right there. But I'm gonna tell you, that's what. That's what Peter's saying we're supposed to have for each other. We ought to have hearts on fire for one another. But I've seen the, I've seen the fires of this world quench the fire in the church of brotherly love. He said have fervent love for one another. What, what did he say? He says for this kind of love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, aren't you glad your sins are covered by the blood? I was thinking about that song we were singing a moment ago, There's Power in the Blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But oh, we want to uncover everybody else's sins, don't we? Say amen right there. One writer said, True love covers a multitude of other people's sins. This will result in reaching out with forgiveness and restoration to those who sin, treating them as God has treated us regardless of the weight of their sin. Have fervent love above all this. Have fervent love among yourselves. And then he says in verse 9, I've been talking to my wife about this part of the sermon a little bit. This is is tough right here. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So our attitude toward the troops should be one of charity and it also should be one of cordiality, hospitality. The Greek word here means love of strangers. I mean, we didn't like other people before COVID. Now we sure don't like other people amen right there (laughs) let's break this down just a little bit hospitality now I was thinking about in terms of the Greco-Roman world where Peter wrote this to they were scattered there were no Holiday Inn Hampton Inns Uh, just, just have that in your mind when you think about this one writer said this was especially true in light of the unfriendly and hostile treatment they were receiving from unbelievers. Now, we could deal with the treatment we received from believers and sort of alluded to it already, but I want to tell you something, church. If time continues to linger, I don't know what we may have to go through as far as hostility from unregenerate people. I mean, there's already people around the world, maybe not so much in the United States of America, but we could go to websites that are dedicated to the persecution of believers around the world. It's happening. It's a reality. And there is an aspect of persecution going on in the United States of America that we don't even talk about. Maybe it's because we don't recognize it because it's not including chopping off somebody's head. But, but we're living in a hostile environment and it's not going to get any better. As a matter of fact, I like what the preacher talked about the other day. Don't you like it when somebody says what you've been thinking? <laughs> There's a lot of talk in the media about revival And things are going to get better. Let me tell you something. That's not Bible. The Bible says things are going to get worse. They're going to get worse. And then the rapture of the church. We need to brace ourselves for persecution from unbelief. So how do we treat them? My flesh says, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. That's my flesh. That's my carnality. I don't even know I can get my heart wrapped around this this morning. He said, "You've got to be a you've got you've got to have a heart on fire for one another." And he said, "You need to treat strangers hospitably." Notice what he says: without grudging. <laughs> don't you love it when people say, "Well, I love because I have to." Bible commands that I gotta love you, I gotta forgive you. That's not the right spirit. Peter said, use hospitality without grudging. Another, in other words, cheerfully share. And in this particular context, share your home with those um, uh, uh, who might need a meal or a place to stay. Now that's why I was thinking about in the context of of the environment that Peter was writing. We may not necessarily have that kind of hospitality, but we may be before times are over. So how should we live in this time? We have this attitude toward the troops and then notice our attitude toward our talents. Very interesting how Peter weaves this together. In verse number 10, he says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever." Amen. What should be our attitude toward our talents? Number one, believers should be diligent in using their spiritual gifts. Come up close and listen. As a Christian, God has given you a spiritual gift. Go to Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. All believers have received at least one spiritual gift from God. The Greek term for uh, gift here, or minister rather, is closely akin to the Greek word which means grace or favor. We've been gifted this. It's not something with our talents that we've earned or pursued or worked up. But we have merely received this, notice what it says, the manifold grace of God. We're stewards of God's grace. So many Christians are sitting on the sideline. Now, I, well, I don't want to say it that way. I sort of to be a little negative about myself and say I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but but, but I want to tell you something. If every believer would see their role in God's kingdom work, things would be entirely different in our denomination. As a matter of fact, we, uh, let me just give you one example. We have 156 churches within our state association. 156 churches that are members of eight district associations that make up the state association and we're a member of the national association we have churches from Carolina to California from Canada to Florida you're not going nowhere so quit talking about it <laughs> I thought to myself and you check me on my math if I got this right if, if every church just gave a hundred dollars a year there's already $156,000. So I'm sitting, now it's not all about money, but I, I remember this so vividly. I'm, I'm sitting at a red light not long after I took this job, and beside me is a nice, I mean a nice truck. Anyway, so here's a nice truck with a boat and I thought to myself that one rig right there, the truck and the boat totals more than most pastors salary in this state. Yeah, come on, preacher. Come on. Bless the Lord, well, bless them. touch them. We have young people. Their mamas and daddies want them to go off to the university and get their Ph.D. God touches their heart. They say, I want to be a preacher. They have to go to college on their own. I pastored several of them right there out of Southeastern. We're 12 miles from Southeastern. They'd come over. Their families didn't like where they decided to go to school and they're having to pay for their education and barely getting by It breaks my heart for our missionaries to have to come home on furlough to raise money. Now, that's just one aspect of it. We've got seven churches that need pastors, 220 across the denomination. We've got Sunday school classes that need Sunday school teachers, youth departments that need youth workers. And I'm telling you because I travel, I see we have an army of believers who come in and sit down on a padded pew on Sunday and leave and do nothing else all week long. They may read the daily bread and that's about it. Look at here what he says. You're living in the end times. Get busy. You have been gifted to serve. And notice the word Minister. If you've got a speaking gift or a serving gift, let him do so according to the ability which God has given him. Employ that gift that God has given to you in serving one another. Now, and I wrote this down as I close. If Jesus Christ is coming, and He is, if he is coming and coming suddenly, swiftly, quickly, cataclysmically, as Peter says, then we should, then, then what should our lifestyle be for these last days? And here's what Peter is saying: be alert and sober-minded. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.